You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Haunting images of a young couple just days before they were found dead along the Alaska Highway. They were exploring the world, this stop at a gas station fueling up to continue their adventure, unaware of the danger that was to come. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off this week. We begin with a pair of deadly mysteries raising concern in northern B.C. tonight and making headlines around the world. Last Monday, the bodies of Lucas Fowler and China Dees, tourists from Australia and the United States, were discovered on a remote stretch of the Alaska Highway, about 20 kilometers south of Liard Hot Springs. Then a second mystery unfolding about 470 kilometers away. 19-year-old Cam McLeod and 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski are missing. Their burned-out vehicle found on Highway 37 last Friday and a body which police confirm is neither of the teens found at a nearby highway pullout. And while RCMP investigate both cases, tonight they are saying it is possible the two incidents are connected. And that's left everyone more than a little shaken. Ramina Dea is at RCMP headquarters in Surrey tonight. Ramina, so many questions and a police warning for the public. Sophie, three dead bodies in one week. Police do not know if they're dealing with a serial killer. They're asking the public to exercise extreme caution. At the news conference held earlier today at RCMP headquarters, Lucas Fowler's father spoke to the media. He has flown in all the way from Australia. The officer now pleading with the public for help. As you know, I may be an experienced police officer, but today I'm standing here as the father of a murder victim. We are just distraught. This has really torn two families apart. Chief Inspector Stephen Fowler, a high-ranking police officer from Australia, says his son was on an adventure of a lifetime with the woman he loved. You know, it's, it's a love story that's ended tragically. It really is. It's the worst ever love story. RCMP now on the hunt for this man, described as Caucasian with dark skin and hair. He was driving an older model Jeep Cherokee with a black racing stripe on the hood. Police say he is not a suspect. A witness saw him speaking to Lucas Fowler on Highway 97 on the evening of Sunday, July 14th, a day before the bodies of Fowler and his American girlfriend, China Dees, were discovered on a remote section of the Alaska Highway, 20 kilometers south of Leard Hot Springs. The couple had been shot. There was an individual mm -hmm. who was seen um, with Mr. Fowler and Miss Dees, mm -hmm. Um, and there seemed to be some sort of heated exchange going on. With regards to the heated exchange, that's not the information that I have. There was a conversation, my understanding is, and that, that's why investigators are looking to speak with this individual. In a bizarre and stunning twist, RCMP released another composite sketch, this time of an unidentified victim found dead near a burned-out vehicle less than 500 kilometres away from where the couple was discovered four days earlier. It's unusual to have two major investigations undergoing of this nature in northern BC at the same time. And so we recognize that there is a possibility that these could be linked. So why can't you give us an idea of whether or not there is a linkage? Are we talking about a potential serial killer? People in these communities have a right to know. With respect to the nature of uh, a person's death, you know, these are 
fluid, complex, dynamic investigations. And we need to be able to, number one, verify the information that we have, and then also confirm that the information is accurate. Information is coming in on a momentary basis. So we're getting all kinds of new information. And we need to determine first that the information is accurate before we're able or in a position to share that information externally. As police search for the killer, they are warning the public to exercise heightened vigilance. We encourage people to camp in known or established areas and locations. In addition, general safety precautions continue to prevail. Chief Inspector Fowler powerless in his own son's investigation. The officer now turning to the public for help. We're appealing for anyone who may have any information whatsoever. However little, please contact the police. Now, Ramina, there has been criticism for the lack of information coming from RCMP. You brought it up in that news conference. But the young man's father was taking a different stance today. Yeah, there has been frustration over the past few days. Um, we've seen that from the Dees family. But uh, Chief Inspector Fowler is essentially saying that he's confident with the way this investigation has played out and that he has no doubt that every resource is being thrown into trying to find his son's killer. Sophie. All right, Ramina Dea at RCMP headquarters. Ramina, thank you. Now, more on that surveillance video that shows Lucas Fowler and China Dees hugging at a gas station one of the last times they were seen alive. Nadia Stewart explains what we know about the CCTV footage and the chilling recollection from a witness who saw them after they were murdered. These are the last known images of Lucas Fowler and China Dees as they stopped to fill up in Fort Nelson after their long drive from the Pink Mountain campsite. Fowler gets the fuel while Dees cleans the windshield. New video obtained by Global News shows the couple inside the gas station, both of them using the restroom before grabbing snacks, water, a chocolate bar, a Slurpee, and Fowler pays for everything, including the fuel. They make their way back to the vehicle. That's just before 8 o'clock last Saturday evening. By Sunday morning, we know their trip has hit a snag. The van breaks down. People stop to help, but Fowler is confident he can fix the problem. Day turns to night, and a passerby sees something that's become a turning point in this case. My boss had said that there was three speaking there, and there's only two. But there was another vehicle. Trevor Pierre's boss was the one who spotted that third person, and she was on her way back to their work camp. The next morning, just before 7, he gets the call. The couple's bodies have been found. So guys, this area was exposed. A little wound on the left. And it was odd that both of them were laying north and the left hand underneath. And both facing north and their, both their heads facing West. The young lady had one shoe on. The gentleman had no shoes on. Police arrive and the investigation begins, as do the questions about what happened to this couple when they left this gas station and why. Well, that's not normal in my mind. And they look young enough they really haven't started living and their life taken from them. All right, Nadia Stewart is live in Fort Nelson tonight at that very gas station where the surveillance video was taken. 
Nadia, what more do you know about the timeline of their trip along the Alaska Highway? Well, what's key there is that date. Uh, the video was taken on July 13th, so that was last Saturday at a at, uh, that was last Saturday here in Fort Nelson. And then we know that the couple made their way along Highway 97, and that's when their vehicle broke down there just outside of Liard Hot Springs. Now we also have police releasing that sketch, and then of course there continues to be that appeal for dash cam video. There are billboards along the highway, out on Highway 97, and right here in Fort Nelson. Back to you, Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Nadia Stewart in Fort Nelson for us. Now back to the other mystery gripping the North, the disappearance of two teenagers, the discovery of their burned-out vehicle, and a body nearby. Sarah McDonald has more on the RCMP sketch released of the victim and the plea for more information. Amid the many questions surrounding multiple murder mysteries unfolding in the northern stretch of this province, perhaps this one is the most pressing. Are you operating on the theory that Cam and Briar are alive or dead? Absolutely. We're hopeful that they are alive. Where are these two teenagers from Vancouver Island? Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod, 18 and 19 years old respectively, vanished just as the truck they were traveling in was found up in flames on the side of a remote stretch of highway south of the Yukon border. Cam and Briar were traveling through BC to visit White Horse in the Yukon Territory to look for work. It's not clear why they returned to B.C. and what their travel plans may have been. Adding to mounting concerns and suspicions, the body of this still unidentified bearded man, believed to be in his 50s or 60s, was discovered a short distance from the boy's burnt-out vehicle last Friday. It is unclear at this time how or if this deceased male is connected with the vehicle fire or the two missing young men. So how exactly are these recent graduates from Port Alberni potentially connected, if at all, to the murders of two tourists or the death of that third individual? RCMP not divulging details Monday if they even know at this point. It's, it's possible that they are linked, but that's all I have. I'm sorry. Are you looking at them, though, can you say, as suspects or as potential victims? At this point, I'm, I, we're looking at them as missing persons. Until now, they have been better known as sons, brothers and students in their hometown, which they recently left to travel north. It's heartbreaking. Um, and, you know, anytime something like this happens, um, you just think right away about, about what the parents must be going through. The looming mystery is what's become of them. RCMP appealing for information from anybody who saw the teens or their truck last week in a growing effort to locate two missing men who could be anywhere. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And Surrey RCMP need your help to locate two missing men. Mounties say 38-year-old Ryan Provencher hasn't been seen since last Wednesday. He had been driving a 2019 white Jeep Cherokee with his friend, 37-year-old Richard Skur. The vehicle has since been located near Logan Lake, but with nobody in it. Provencher is white, about 5'10", 180 pounds, with short brown hair and blue eyes. Skur is white, about 6'4", 220 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Well, it is unusual for both of these individuals to be out of contact with their loved ones for so long, so family and police are concerned for their well-being, but at this time we're still in the early stages of this investigation and still seeking information from the public or anyone who might have information. Burnaby RCMP are investigating a frightening incident at Metro Town Mall last week. 
This video, which is now part of the police investigation, shows officers arresting a man who was allegedly poking people with a hypodermic needle. And while no one was actually stabbed with the tip, the 32-year-old suspect is now facing at least three charges of assault with a weapon. The needle actually had a cap on it, so there are actually no uh, injuries to the victims. We know there's two other victims that we've seen on the, on the CCTV. Uh, at this time, we don't know who they are. We're hoping we can contact them. If, if they are watching, uh, they can contact the Burnaby RCMP. Vancouver police have shut down a multi-million dollar drug operation, executing search warrants on two illicit cannabis oil labs. Jill Bennett has more on where it all went down and what was seized. There was a large police presence here on Friday. Investigators descending on this warehouse complex, going into at least two addresses and dismantling what they are calling a THC extraction lab, something also known as a butane honey oil lab. Under the Cannabis Act, it is illegal to use organic compounds to extract oil, things like butane. And police say that's exactly what was happening here. They say while you can buy cannabis oil legally at licensed stores, it is illegal to produce it in this way and then sell it through the unlicensed stores as well as through the illicit drug market. There is also the issue of danger. These products are extremely volatile and police say there could have been an explosion. The items seized were uh, shake, shatter, oils, uh, balms and edibles as well as a significant amount of sophisticated lab equipment. We believe the labs posed a significant risk to the public. These particular operations were located in uh, busy warehouse light industrial areas adjacent to a number of businesses where there are a lot of people working. At this point, one person has been arrested and police say more arrests are very likely as are charges. Jill Bennett, Global News. Right now, though, Tofino is known around the world for its beauty, the ocean attracting surfers from all over. So it might surprise you to learn, with so many people hitting the water, there are no lifeguards on patrol. Kylie Stanton has more on the danger that's posed and the push to have them reinstated. They come for the scenery and the wild west coast, but it's as dangerous as it is beautiful. And all too often, visitors to Tofino are getting into trouble. This fellow was clinging to Lovekin Rock, and so that's when I thought I better paddle over and make sure he's okay. Carla Robison, who is a seasoned surfer, realized the man was not wearing a wetsuit. Last Monday, he had simply walked out onto the rock before the tide started coming in, preventing him from getting back to shore. I was able to tow him out of the current. It's the second rescue by Robison, and at least the sixth performed by locals in recent months. That's on top of this Coast Guard rescue back in March, where four surfers had to be plucked from the rock by helicopter. And they're the lucky ones. Last year, two people died while surfing the area. One, the mother of a bride who was married later that day. The other, a PhD student who had been taking a lesson. All of this reigniting calls for a lifeguard service in that area. How many fatalities and rescues will it take before this government does the right thing and reinstate this life-saving program? The surfguard program that had been in operation for nearly 40 years was scrapped by the Harper government in 2012. Since then, tourism in the region has grown by 50%, with more than 1 million visitors each year. 
MP Gore John says many of those lives are being put at risk. You need uh, boots on the ground, eyes on the water. In a statement, Parks Canada said, ultimately, visitor safety involves much more than emergency response. Parks Canada works hard to educate people on the dangers of tides, unexpected waves, the power of rip currents, and the debilitating effects of cold water. Through the Coast Smart program, signage has been put up and businesses are offering advice in an effort to keep people safe. Still, it's just not enough. Those who have seen the threat firsthand would have to agree. More needs to be done, not only in terms of response, but also carrying forward the momentum that's already in place for prevention and education. So we can ultimately change the culture so we know that there are hazards. Kylie Stanton, Global News. More tonight on the response to the provincial appeal for public input on what to do about daylight saving time. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Keith, we're getting a better idea of just how many people took the survey and which way they're leaning. Well, the assumption in government, Sophie, talking to officials today, is that most people, an overwhelming number actually filled this thing out, are in favor of sticking to just one, one uh, uh, time change and that, or maintaining just daylight saving time the year round, not switching back and forth twice a year, springing ahead or falling back. Now, they also released a breakdown of the numbers today, 224 responses, quite a few. Where are they from? Most, no surprising, from Metro Vancouver and Vancouver Island Sunshine Coast, 158,000 of them. And most of the people who responded here were aged between 18 and 64, 78%, uh, indicating yet really young people and older people, older seniors in particular, not an issue to them, primarily an issue, I think, to people with young kids. John Horgan, again, talking to reporters today, saying he's taken aback by the response here, but he also has to get everybody's ducks in a row with our trading partners, primarily Alberta and those western states. Here's the Premier this morning. I did not expect that type of a response, but certainly there is one. When we have the information, we'll make that uh, available to the public. We are looking at other jurisdictions on the West Coast that are in the Pacific Standard Time Zone. Our economies are intertwined between Alberta, or pardon me, well, Alberta as well, but, but uh, on, uh, to, with Washington, Oregon, and California. Uh, those jurisdictions are all taking steps to uh, remain permanently on daylight savings time. So this is one of the Premier's uh, pet topics, Sophie. I do think he does want to uh, maintain daylight saving time year-round. However, the, the states are referred to, they need referendums to pass in the state, uh, each individual state, to make this uh, time change. So until that happens, I don't think BC is going to be going this route. But eventually, it looks like we may be headed down the path of having daylight saving time year-round. The Premier says he gets the most email about that one topic. Yep. So, all right. Thanks, Keith. <laughs> Well, remember this shocking driver mishap from last week? A Vancouver woman captured on video driving down the stairs at the Sheraton Wall Centre. Well, now the VPD says they have handed her a $368 fine under the Motor Vehicle Act for driving without due care and attention. Witnesses say she passed the signs in the parking lot and proceeded to drive down the stairs toward Hornby Street. When she reached street level or sidewalk level, she put her turn signal on and drove off. The homeless camp at Oppenheimer Park continues to grow. Vancouver police have already said they're concerned about the safety of campers and their officers. But Vancouver's mayor has no intention of shutting the camp down, instead focusing his attention on finding proper housing. For Aaron, our Aaron MacArthur has the story. Whether sleeping on the street or in the park, Vancouver has an obvious and growing need for housing. Jason Hebert has been living in his tent in Oppenheimer Park now for the past few months. This 
is better than the alternative. These SROs are filled with bugs, and there's less bugs in the tent than there are in a friggin' some of these SROs. Hebert is one of about 100 people living in the park between Cordova and Powell. Housing advocates say the closure of two SROs has made the homelessness crisis on the downtown east side as bad as it's ever been. The camp, the site of violence recently, a shooting earlier in July prompting a response from the VPD. The department publicly concerned about officer safety. They'll go uh, routinely, and what I'm hearing, in no less than four officers together, uh, just for officer safety. Housing advocates say those claims are unfounded. Hebert, who admits his share of trouble with the cops, is furious how he and his neighbors are being treated. Where's our protection? What, because I did some time in jail? Because I live outside? I get no protection? That's horse manure. Added to the public safety concerns are health issues. Despite inadequate facilities and an increasing number of campers, the mayor says there are no plans to apply for an injunction to shut it down. I'm focusing on getting these folks housing, including talking with the federal government, talking with BC Housing, trying to see if we can get, get enough housing, whether it's existing or temporary. As the summer goes on, the camp expected to grow. The city stuck managing an untenable situation. People need a place to live, and no one can wait until senior levels of government find the money to pay for it. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. In Toronto tonight, the city is marking the one-year anniversary of the deadly Danforth shooting. A lone gunman went on a rampage in the busy Greektown neighborhood, killing two and wounding 13. On this somber anniversary, some of the area's business owners are in awe of the community's triumph over tragedy. Nice, perfect. Stocking the shelves at 10,000 Villages, manager and Danforth resident Elias Athanasopoulos says he's proud of how far his community has come in the last year. We don't like to look back. But there was a time he worried it was all people would do. For many days, people they were having a sad feelings and memories and also fear. They kept themselves away from the neighborhood. 10,000 Villages location, like many shops on this stretch of Danforth Avenue, became an all too vivid reminder of what had just taken place. Terrifying moments, a lone gunman stopped and opened fire, shooting into restaurants and businesses along the popular Greektown Strip. Dimitri's was one of those establishments. This is where 10-year-old Juliana Kosis was shot and killed. Just next door, there were also a couple of tables sitting out on the patio at Astoria. You don't know what to think at the time. Uh, you have no information. You don't know what's going on. Angelo Kudis, the manager of the local restaurant, says his staff acted quickly to move patrons to safety. The police had come in and they had barricaded everybody inside to keep inside. The shooting left 13 injured and two dead. You don't want any tragedy or any loss of life, but, you know, we come together as a community. You know, we're strong. Choosing now to focus on the future of the area instead of dwelling on the pain of the past, a sentiment also shared by Athanasopoulos. Sometimes it happens. We can't avoid, but we can live under fear. So we have to go on. Hoping to use this day to honor the victims and promising to proudly continue to call the Danforth home. Jamie Marocker, Global News. Canada's opposition is reacting tonight after news Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's former principal secretary and close friend Gerald Butts is playing a key role in the Liberal re-election campaign. Gerald Butts is back. The Lav scamsters are reunited and nothing has changed. 
If Trudeau and Butts are returned to power, we will see more SNC-Lavalin scams. Butts resigned in February amid the SNC-Lavalin scandal over allegations he pressured former Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould to work with SNC. Butts always denied the accusations, saying he resigned because he didn't want to create a distraction. Hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans rallied for a 12th day, demanding the island's governor resign. We want you out. You did enough. We still don't trust you. Ricardo Rosello is under fire after his private chats were leaked, revealing hateful and offensive messages between him and his inner circle. The political crisis in the Caribbean is reaching a boiling point. More than 500,000 Puerto Ricans hit the streets today, protesting outside government buildings and paralyzing San Juan's main highway. A warning tonight about a vacation hotspot popular with North American tourists. Officials in Costa Rica say at least 19 people have died after ingesting tainted alcohol. Miguel Almaguer has more on the danger and how travelers can protect themselves. The tainted alcohol discovered in Costa Rica has been linked to at least 19 deaths in the country. The health ministry issuing a national alert after the government confiscated some 30,000 bottles of alcohol believed to be tainted with methanol. It's pretty tragic. It's really upsetting. The warning comes as millions of Americans are in the midst of summer travel, some headed tonight to Costa Rica. I don't think I would have a drink um, where I don't see where that alcohol is coming from. With 14 men and five women among the confirmed victims, government officials identified several brands of liquor that were tampered with. Sellers sometimes dilute products with methanol to increase profits. According to a recent study, illicit alcohol made up 19% of sales in Costa Rica, 28% in Brazil, and 34% in Mexico. In the Dominican Republic, toxicology reports are pending after the deaths of two Americans on vacation. Found in antifreeze, methanol is toxic and you might not taste it in a drink. It can trigger a host of symptoms from abdominal pain to loss of motor function. Experts say the best way to protect yourself overseas, avoid mixed drinks. Considered bottled beer or wine you watch being opened or buy your own liquor at a duty-free shop after you land. It's very concerning that these deaths have occurred. Tonight, a warning to travelers. Take every precaution you can. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Tom Brady is being dad-shamed after posting a video to Instagram showing him and his six-year-old daughter cliff-jumping in Costa Rica. The New England Patriots quarterback asks his daughter Vivian if she's ready and counts to three. Holding her hand, Brady jumps first before his daughter is pulled in behind him. Social media users quickly criticize the 41-year-old, saying his daughter appears to hesitate before jumping. Others say she came dangerously close to the rocks below. Brady's reps have declined to comment. Britain's Prince George is marking a milestone today. His Royal Highness is celebrating his sixth birthday. To honor the occasion, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge released three new photographs of the prince. The pictures were taken by his mother, Kate, two in the garden of their home at Kensington Palace, and one while the family was on holiday. George is third in line for the throne behind his grandfather, Prince Charles, and his father, Prince William.
In Health Matters tonight, Vancouver Island cancer patients will soon have improved care closer to home. The province today unveiling a $6.5 million state-of-the-art PET CT scanner suite at the BC Cancer Centre in Victoria. It's expected to provide more than 2,200 scans each year, helping doctors diagnose cancer early or evaluate treatment options. Island patients previously had to travel to the lower mainland for cancer-related PET scans. Cutting out this waiting list, or cutting it down, and also giving people the opportunity to stay in their own bed the night before and then go to their, their home right after or get on with their lives. And, um, and that's what this place is about. This is the third publicly funded PET CT scanner in the province and the first one outside of the Lower Mainland. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, we're not the only ones looking to cool off during these warmer temperatures. This moose in Alaska, yes, it is warm there too, was spotted enjoying a lawn sprinkler. Neighbors say he's been hanging out all summer, chilling under trees and in moss beds nearby. Smart moose. Well, as fishing trips go, they can sometimes be boring. Not this one. Reeling in this fish was just the beginning of the excitement. We'll show you what happened next. That's coming up right after the weather. Andy Von Schell is in uh, with a look at our weather forecast and it's really starting to feel like summer now, Yvonne. Yeah, Mother Nature's turning it on. Um, we are seeing the heat once again today. We've got a mainly sunny sky. A few clouds are going to roll in this evening, but it'll still remain dry. We're still sitting in at 24 degrees out of the airport, a southeasterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. We got up to 26 today with, with the Humidex. It was feeling closer to 28 in many spots uh, inland today, getting up to 29 for Chilliwack. Hot for Coquitlam at 28 in areas near Burnaby, up to 26 degrees. Lytton was the hot spot across the province and country, up to 37 degrees. And sunny and warm. We saw some temperatures soaring into Revelstoke today, up to 29. We're still looking at a few thunderstorms this evening, and I'll outline that in just a moment. Here's what we are tracking. A low that is just offshore, and that's going to bring in some moisture. We are going to see an increase in cloud cover late tomorrow with the system pushing in. The instability this evening with a severe thunderstorm watch that is in effect inland areas as well as the central interior and the peace included within that the potential there to see very gusty winds, heavy downpours, and we could see some hail produced within the next couple of hours before it does start to ease off. Futurecast, as we put it into play, most of the moisture across the interior will ease up by the morning hours. It'll be dry across Metro Vancouver as we wake up. It'll be dry through the day tomorrow. And then as we approach late evening, overnight to Wednesday morning is when we could see that chance for some showers. But it'll be little in terms of the precipitation. So through the day tomorrow, partly cloudy sky and highs up to 20 23 degrees. The moisture, we could see a trace to maybe five centimeters uh, for areas near Squamish, the North Shore Mountains, only one or up to two millimeters. Here's what we're looking at for the fire danger rating. A reminder, we haven't seen much in terms of rainfall in a few spots across the island, still sitting at moderate to high. Coastal sections tomorrow, it's showers. Inland, we'll see that risk of a thunderstorm popping up for the afternoon. Much of the southern interior will also see that chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm. Another hot day tomorrow with Kamloops up to 35. 31 rather. The south coast will see the sunshine for the morning hours, more cloud cover late in the day. Chance for some showers will be overnight and towards our Wednesday morning and then rebounding hot and sunny once again for Thursday, Friday, back up to 24 degrees. Tonight's weather window, a beautiful shot that was taken from Robin of the Northern Lights in Green Lake. Soph? Green Lights over Green Lake. 
All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Yvonne. Well, there have been a lot of shark sightings this summer, and this next one was caught on video. Oh, my. A family fishing off Cape Cod gets the surprise of their lives, and they manage to capture the moment. A great white shark leaping from the water to snatch a fish that they were reeling in. Great whites typically make their home in Cape Cod every summer. However, an influx of them this year has forced several popular beaches to temporarily close. Yikes. Wow. Back away. (laughs) Wow, exactly. Yeah. You can have the fish. Yeah. Throw it in overdrive. Let's get out of here. Get all the Take fish we've got and like toss yeah. it as far as you Just can. Feed that Gosh. shark with fish. Yeah. Yeah. And then hightail it the other way. Mm. Oh, if only you could see under this desk right now. Oh, my white shoes? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, your about? white shoes my and white your <laughs> and your white legs. My summer attire. <laughs> my summer attire. <laughs> the shorts. The summer shorts. I don't know what you're talking about, Soph. And you're I a head. You know, know what? You're, you're a well-dressed about. manual. Just before we get to sports and breaking news involving a police incident in New Westminster, officers are on the scene at 9th Street and St. Andrews in New West. Police saying just before 5 this afternoon, they received a report of a possible shooting. When officers arrived, several people were located. However, no one had any obvious injuries. The New Westminster Police Department Major Crimes Unit and Forensic Identification Section have since taken conduct of the investigation. That's what we know at the moment. We'll bring you more details as they become available. All right. Double J. is so it, uh, It's just dismal for the caps right now. Yeah, it is. Keep going. Yeah. Sad, depressing. Yep, all of the above. Can it get any worse for the Vancouver Whitecaps? Caps are going through one of the ugliest patches in franchise history. Lost again on the weekend, 3-1 to San Jose. Second straight home match that they've been booed off the pitch. Fans are wearing bags over their heads. Can't recall it ever being this bad. Hey, they may not win another game this season, MLS game that is. Wednesday, they host Calvary FC in the second leg of the Canadian Championship qualifying round. A win would do wonders for the Caps. They just need any kind of positivity that they can wrap their minds around right now. At center back, and Sylvia Petrescu sounds the final whistle. More misery heaped on the Whitecaps as they now have five losses in the row. If I can give anything right now um, to, for a win right now, I'll do it. You can feel it. You can definitely feel it. Um, it's not great. It's not a good feeling. Um, it's almost like a nightmare that's never-ending. But um, mentally strong guys will be all right. Rarely do you see him smiling about anything. To the top of the box, it goes, Bow! Oh, what a goal for the designated player! For a soccer club whose coach admitted a week ago that his team is fragile, just how many guys are all right? Because clearly, something isn't right. Saturday's 3-1 loss to San Jose, Vancouver's latest demoralizing defeat, which is now five straight losses and counting. The last games wasn't positive results, we all know it, so uh, we just need to, to find our rhythm back and our, uh, our, our Warriors mindset back uh, before the Gold Cup. You know, we went on a stretch on a great, uh, great 11 games undefeated or so, so um, after that it's just finding that mindset and rhythm back and we're good to go. Making as many roster changes as they did, the Caps knew they were in tough. But this, and how they're losing? They've now been outscored 17-2 and outshot 140-42 during this five-game skid. It's obvious they lack quality in their lineup, something they plan on addressing in the winter transfer window. But until then, where's the level of compete? There's areas that we think there's. we need to grow. We need to grow in... Uh, 
I would say muscle, athleticism, volume, uh, quality, and and some other guys. And a lot of the guys in this roster are able to give us that. Uh, other areas, I won't say specifically one player. I would talk more about areas of the field that we're very aware that it's not been good enough, and we need to become better at it. Uh, sometimes we need to be picked up. You know, we have we have big leaders and we have big personalities who can check players at any given time and um, I think that's what we need. Um, then we need more leaders, um, more guys who can really show um, by example but not by talking um, and we have that in this changing which is a good thing so I, even though right now if we are in a slump and uh, we also understand that we have a lot to play for. And they start to bring it home now just over 25 to swim. Dahlia is still there in the dark cap and now the challenge comes from McNeil. McNeil in the white cap. The Canadian, she's gone up. She's in front of Jostrom. This could be a boil. How about Canada's Maggie McNeil winning gold today in women's 100-meter butterfly at the World Aquatic Championships? She set a new Canadian record in a time of 55.83 seconds. First time the 19-year-old is competing on the senior national team. She took down the reigning Olympic champion and world record holder Sarah Sostrom of Sweden. Canada's now won one gold, two silver, two bronze medals at the Worlds. Just a great swim by Maggie McNeil. Oh, Blue Jays hosting the red-hot Cleveland Indians today. Tribe winners of seven of the last ten. They're now just three back of Minnesota in the AL Central. How about Freddie Galvis playing some D? Goes Dyson, vacuums up the ground ball. Makes it look so easy. Good range by the shortstop. Nice little out. Not a good uh, year, though, for the Blue Jays. Run differential is a staggering minus 79. How about Justin Smoke detonating it to deep right, but it's the Jays getting smoked right now. 7-3 in the ninth inning. Yeah, just a wee bit of excitement over LSU's new football locker room. It's kind of like business or first class of locker rooms. Every player's stall has its own pod, folds out into a mini bed. They got the iPod holder, charger to watch game film. $28 million for that locker room reno. $28 million. is nicer than my apartment. It's the ultimate man cave. Unbelievable. Uh, BC Little League Provincials underway. Uh, uh, North Vancouver and Hastings were winners today. Coquitlam's on the field right now, taking on the host, Little Mountain. All right. Okay. Thanks very much, Jay. Coming up on ET Canada, we're at Comic-Con for the new female direction in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Plus, meet the first Chinese superhero in the MCU who just happens to be Canadian, too. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Sophie. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, a Florida restaurant is uniting the community with a unique idea to help reunite people with their missing pets. The campaign, which is apparently catching on, sees customers getting something extra with every pizza order. Three things you'll find in this restaurant. A fresh pie, friendly staff. It was my brother's idea, and uh, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a great campaign. And a campaign working to reunite people with their best friends. We've had a lot of positive um, feedback from our customers. Rosalia Defende has been the owner of La Forqueta for the last 10 years. 
She's had her restaurant attach flyers of missing pets on their pizza boxes. The idea came from her brother in New Jersey, who also owns a pizza joint. One of the neighbors uh, in his area lost his pet during a storm. So he came up with this idea of putting a flyer with a missing pet on his pizza box. Figures many people pick up the pizza, they carry it, it's right there as they're walking into their home. Since then, it's been a hit. We have one that someone just brought in last night and it's been missing since January. Defede hopes this is a way to not only spread the word in a fun way, but also bring the community together. People are welcome to bring in um, printed flyers and we'll be happy to attach one to as many as we need to as we have on the pizza boxes. James Torres, CBS 12 News. Love that. Great, Great idea. idea. Mm -hmm. And now you, you... We're hungry. You're hungry and you want pizza. Yeah. I, want, I want some me and Ed's. A little me and Ed's pizza right now. It is dinner oh. time. Yeah. Okay. Craving it now. Make the call. Make <laughs> <Yeah>. the order. <laughs> what you got for us? Last word. Uh, still really nice out there this evening. A few clouds. Tomorrow it'll be pleasant through the day. Another warm one. It'll feel closer to 28 with the humidex. And we have been talking about a few showers that'll be really late overnight towards our Wednesday morning. It should clear out by Wednesday evening. And then fantastic for our Thursday onwards. So just a little blip in the forecast for late tomorrow. Good timing. Very good timing. That's all the time we have for the news hour tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night all.